You're listening to the Detroit Worldwide Podcast. We highlight the stories of native Detroiters that are doing great things in their community and using their impact across the globe. I'm Marquise Taylor. Welcome to the D. What up, though? Welcome to another installment of the Detroit Worldwide Podcast. I am Marquise Taylor. And on this week's edition of the podcast, we had the pleasure of sitting down with a black business owner. Joining us on the podcast this week was the CEO and founder of the Golden Grooming Company, Abdul Golden, who spoke about a variety of topics, including his lived experience growing up in the city, his venture in entrepreneurship, and some of the many lessons he's learned since going into business. Speaking of which, my guy is a graduate of two of my alma maters, the first one being Eastern Michigan University, where he completed his bachelor's degree in business administration with an emphasis on finance. He is also a graduate of Wayne State University, where he completed his MBA. And finally, he is a graduate of Lawrence Tech University, where he completed his master's degree in computer science. This episode goes into great detail about his latest venture, Golden Grooming Company, which specializes in all natural skin and hair care products for not only black men, but other men of color as well. The products are dope. Check them out. But aside from the products being dope, they support a great cause. They support a great initiative that you will learn about on this episode. That being said, you have heard enough from me. So why don't we tune into the conversation that I had with my dude, Abdul Golden. All right. This is Detroit Worldwide. Kicking it with us today is Abdul Golden, who is the CEO of Golden Grooming Company. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. What's up, bro? Thank you, Marquise. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, bro. Hey, most definitely. Most, yeah, most definitely. So this gentleman is doing some amazing things. I had the opportunity to learn about some of the work that he's doing. Saw on the Local 4 News when I was back home. And I was also read some stories about him in local publications as well. So it was great to talk about some of the work that he's doing and what he represents. So before we jump into everything, I was wondering if you could tell listeners just more about yourself, including the work that you currently do. Right now, you know, I'm running the Golden Grooming Company. It's a grooming brand that I started and that I launched in December of 2017. And we design and develop skin and hair care products specifically for black men and other men of color. So that's what I'm doing right now. And it's going very, very well. Our customers seem to be really happy about our products and what we're doing. So I'm just working hard trying to grow that. 
Yeah, most definitely. I appreciate you sharing. And I know for the products that you share, and we'll be talking about that a little later, I know that you try to pride yourself on having natural products. Next question I want to ask you is, what was your experience like growing up in Detroit? Because I know that you attended Osborne High School. Of course, I know you went to Eastern Michigan as well as Wayne State. But what was your experience like growing up in the city? I think my experience was good. It's funny, too, because, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, kind of living in different places in the country or whatever. You know, outside of Detroit, it's changing these days. But back, you know, 10 years ago, even five years ago and, and later, you know, Detroit had a really, really bad rep kind of nationally. And that never aligned with my personal experience growing up in Detroit, right? So I spent my younger years on the west side, went to Charles Hughes Middle School. And my street was great. I lived on Crocus Line and I had great neighbors. You know, I had a bunch of friends. My best friend lived on the street. I was close to his parents. I was always at his house, but he was always at my house. He had family that lived on the street. He was always at their house. So, you know, it was a good experience. You know, we all had fun. We all took care of each other, our families to talk to each other. Uh, it was a good experience. And then when I moved from the west side to the east side, you know, it, that, that same type of situation pretty much continued with the new set of, of friends. So we didn't have a lot of things in terms of material things. Obviously, some families were a little better off than other families, but the overall experience in terms of, you know, the sense of community and good friends and grown-ups looking out for the kids and kids looking out for each other, it was a good experience. I, I really can't complain about, you know, the overall experience of growing up in this city, Detroit. And it was in stark contrast to the national reputation that Detroit had so and I didn't realize that growing up obviously but you know as an adult and you go into the world and you see how the world views your city it's you know it kind of took me aback that people had these crazy negative opinions of Detroit that I never did so you know my experience was good overall and uh, it was kind of shocking to see how people thought about Detroit given this personal experience I had with it yeah, and that's what it's all about. And I know that this podcast exists to kind of allow people to tell those stories about Detroit because the national perception of Detroit isn't the most positive. So I went to Osborne High School. I know you went to Eastern first. And then, of course, you continued your education by going to Wayne State and uh, Lawrence Tech. But how did growing up in Detroit influence you to pursue education after high school? You know, that's that's a tricky kind of question, right? Because if I, you know, the, the short answer is it didn't influence me, if I'm being completely honest, right? So, you know, to be honest, I don't even remember how it ended up at Eastern because that really wasn't a plan. You know, I had a couple of buddies of mine that I was real close with, and we were all planning to go to the military, Air Force specifically. So, you know, we went downtown and we took the tests and took the physicals and signed all the paperwork and everything. So, you know, we were going to the Air Force, the three of us. And then uh, one of my boys, you know, changed his mind. So we had one down and then two was going. And then, you know, for whatever reason, you know, we just started kind of backing out one by one. So then next thing I know, none of us is going to the Air Force. So then I had to quickly, because this is the summer after graduation, right? So I had to quickly figure out, okay, what's my next move if, if I'm not going to the Air Force? And then don't even really remember how, but somehow I came across an application for Eastern and I applied. 
and and, and that's pretty much how it happened. So no real forethought, you know, no real planning, you know, it just it just kind of happened. And so I think I was, I actually consider myself very lucky that, you know, it happened that way, you know, because I, I could have ended up doing other things besides going to college, even though I was doing well in school, for whatever reason, I didn't have an automatic plan to go to college. I don't even remember why that was, but I didn't. But I wound up there anyway, and I'm, I'm very happy that I did. So what year was this that you don't mind me asking? Like, what era? So this was in the late 80s, early 90s time frame. Yeah, so, you know, back in that time frame. So ended up at Eastern. It was Hurons at the time. It wasn't the Eagles yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, but so I consider myself to be a Huron, actually. <laughs> okay. But yeah, man, so that's the time frame. Dang, so that means for like Wayne State, it wasn't even the Warriors at that time. It was the Tartars, I think. The Tartars. Okay. Yeah. So that so that definitely gave <laughs> me that you know, both two schools I went to changed their mascot names since I've been there. <laughs> yeah. So No, it's all good, it's all good. So you leave Osborne, of course you mentioned wanting to go into the service. You said some of your homeboys are dropped out and then you eventually apply to Eastern. So when you finally arrived at Eastern, what did the community and support look like for you on our campus? So, um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I quickly met, you know, a few friends, started hanging out with some folks. My best friend didn't go. My best friend ended up coming to Eastern, like, I think the next semester. So I was there, you know, not knowing anybody, you know, at first. So, but when you were freshman at Eastern, you know, there used to be like kind of a gathering spot called the Eastern Eateries mm-hmm. and everybody kind of hang out there. And so you just started meeting people and just hanging out with people, you know, pretty much from day one because that's where people start hanging out. And so um, it was a good little community, you know, just a bunch of freshmen. There was a, a lot of people from Detroit, you know, a lot of people from like Flint, kind of Saginaw. And so a lot of us were kind of trying to find our way. And so we kind of bonded over that. And so I think the community was more around, you know, young kids like myself, you know, kind of in the same situation that I was in, kind of bonding over that and just trying to figure out this college thing together. So, you know, that was kind of cool because you didn't really have to go on that journey by yourself. That absolutely helped. Now, did you also stay on campus as well? I did. I stayed on campus for probably at least two years, maybe two and a half years I stayed on campus. Yep. So I, I stayed in Walton Putnam. That's okay, where I was doing okay. I stayed in. Okay, I'm hip. I'm hip. Yeah. So then you get to Eastern. You said you came with a few of your friends from high school as well. Yeah, so when I first got there, my, my best friend didn't come, but he came, like, I think the semester after that, or I think the year after that. So, but it, it was a few folks from Osborne that went to Eastern as well. So I, I had a couple of high school homies at, at Eastern. My my best friend didn't come until I think it was the next semester or the semester after that. So, yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure that was cool to link up with one of the homies. Yeah, it was, yeah, we became roommates like when he came up, and so that that definitely helped. So we was kind of both going through our things together, you know. But it was good. It was a good experience. I had I had a lot of fun at Eastern. I had a lot of fun at Eastern. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. Now, business administration is a degree that you earned there. Is that something that you initially sought out, or were you thinking about other majors when you arrived at campus? 
Man, I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't have a clue, you know. So I can't even tell you how I picked that major, right? But I picked the finance major for whatever reason, and that's what I rode with. So, and that, you know, it's funny because, you know, that whole experience led me to start my first company, right? I really had no real guidance, you know, in terms of trying to help me figure out what I want to do in terms of career path and all that kind of stuff. And uh, those experiences actually helped me start one of my first businesses, you know, a few years later. But yeah, I, I can't even tell you why I picked finance, but I picked it. So, okay. so I picked it and kind of and kind of set on that path and just went on my way. Okay, okay, that's dope. I think um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm okay. sorry. I'm just going to to add to that a little bit. I think you know, I think that's one of the problems that I think we have in our kind of high schools and some of the colleges, right? You know, some students have more guidance than others, right? So some students come from a home environment where. You know, they have good guidance and they have good, you know, mentorship and leadership and and all the stuff that comes along with kind of proactive parenting. And, you know, they have somebody helping them set their path for them or figure out their path. But then you have a whole bunch of students that don't have that, right? So, you know, I think it's important to be able to have things in place at the high school level and the college level to help those students figure out, you know, the path that they want to they want to hop on so that's kind of my soapbox real quick but no yeah. no that's cool I mean I was going that's a great segue into like the next question I wanted to ask you and that question is did you have any mentors on Eastern's campus and if so what role did they play in your success yeah I, I had a lot of mentors but I didn't know they were mentors and they didn't know they were mentors okay but you know so it's kind of like an informal thing not like a formal mentor mentee relationship it was very informal but i pledged alpha phi alpha in my second semester at eastern so i was a second semester freshman when i pledged by the time i hit my sophomore year at eastern you know i had this whole community of fraternity brothers that i could lean on you know for whatever i needed or wanted right and so a combination of a bunch of my frat bros you know older than me and younger than me, mm-hmm. right? You know, I just kind of took guidance from um, leadership from um, on a very kind of informal level, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, some of the homies around the school. So I never had any formal mentor-mentee relationships, but I learned so much from, from my bros that I kind of hung out with and kind of grew up with at the university level. So, yeah, older, older and younger, which is, you know, one of the best things about being an organization, right? You know, it's a community that you can kind of learn and grow with and from. I love that, man, that accountability, especially accountability among brothers. That's always good. That's always good. So you complete your degree from Eastern Michigan. Where did life take you after that? So, first of all, it was a struggle to complete my degree at Eastern. It It was a real struggle. From a financial perspective, I've never had a problem from the grades perspective, but from the classroom perspective, I always kind of killed it on that. But it was always from a financial perspective, right? So, you know, it took me eight years 
to get my undergraduate degree, mainly because I kept running out of money. <laughs> so, you know, I would I would go for a semester or two semesters, and then I would have to rack up a balance, and then I had to take some time off and pay that balance, and then you know go back. You know, it was a time where I went to Washington Community College for a couple of semesters because I had a balance at EMU. So it took it took me a while, man. But I got a break. Probably I had like maybe one year left of my undergraduate degree. I caught a break and I got a job at Ford Motor Company. And pretty much I never had to pay for school after that. <laughs> so, you know, it was a struggle. So after I got out of there in like in the mid 90s, I was still working at Ford at the time. I was working as an hourly worker at Ford. Great job, making good money for a young kid in his early 20s. But I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I had a degree in finance. So I took a leave of absence from Ford and I took a job in finance. And so I just started working that job. That's kind of what started me on my professional career. So long, 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 long road, long journey. But I eventually got on that professional road and I've been on it ever since. Now, when you were working at Ford, did they offer any sort of tuition benefits like remission at all? Or? Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. I mean, to be honest, without that job at Ford, I don't know if I would have finished my education because, you know, it took me eight years to get my, my undergrad degree, you know, mainly because I couldn't afford it, right? I couldn't pay for it. So it took me that, it took me that long. You know, like I said, I had like a year worth of classes left when I got this job at Ford, and I've never had to pay for school after that. They pay for school directly from that point on. Shout out to Ford. Shout out to Ford. Maybe not so much for the football team, but shout out to Ford. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. For, shout out to Ford for tuition reimbursement, which they changed, by the way. So, uh, again, to date myself, when, when I was there, they would pay tuition up front. You know, like I would register for my classes, and then they would cut me a check. So that was that was awesome. They don't do that anymore. Now, you know, you got to register the classes. You got to finish your classes and then you submit your grades and then they cut you a check based on the kind of grades you got. It's like a it's like a scale. So you get more money for A's, less money for B's and even less money for C's and no money for nothing after that. But when I was there, they cut you a check up front, which is great. Okay. Okay. Man, that was still dope that they did that for you and still are doing it. But you know, tuition yeah. assistance is always key. Oh man, it's it's big. It's, it's it's big, man. Especially for a lot of people, man. Because a lot of our kids and and the parents just doesn't have the financial means to kind of just fly through college without worrying about that. So you know, being hooked up with a company that can help pay is 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 obviously awesome. For sure, for sure. Now, how long were you at Ford after you completed your degree, if you don't mind me asking? I was there, man, for about five years. I was there for about five years after I completed okay. my degree. But I got a funny story. I actually tricked them into giving me a salary job. Mm. I tricked the whole Fortune 500 company into giving me a salary job. So, so, so I'll tell you the story if I got enough time. So when I got my, my finance degree, I was trying to apply to salary positions like from the inside because I was a Ford employee, right? So I was just kind of trying to transfer, you know, from hourly to salary and they wasn't having it. I, you know, I can't really explain why, but they, they weren't having it, right? So it, it, it just wasn't going to work. I tried for months and months and months and it wasn't going to work. So then I'm working. So I'm still at Ford and I'm working. And it wasn't until... I finished with my first master's at Wayne State. I went to a career fair, and uh, Ford was there. 
Mm-hmm. And I gave him my resume. Now, on my resume, I didn't have that I was already a Ford employee. I didn't have it on. I didn't have on there that I was an hourly Ford employee, right? I gave him my resume at a Wayne State job fair. They granted me an interview. I think I went on two or three interviews, and they made me an offer, not knowing that I was already a Ford employee. Mm. <laughs> then when they made their offer, like a, a, a you know to be in, in the salary ranks, you know my counter was. I'm already an hourly employee. I already got six years in seniority. I will take this job if I can keep all my seniority and, and some other things. And mm-hmm. it was like, of course, of course, they were shocked, but they but they came back and said, yeah. So by the time I did get into salary, I went in there with a bunch of my Wayne State, you know, graduates. But I went in with six years seniority for my Wayne, my other Wayne State graduates coming in with you know start from scratch. So it worked out. It worked out in the end. So you probably were able to make more than your, your classmates because of your seniority, correct? Yeah, I actually, um, I negotiated my salary, but I don't, I, you know, I don't think I made much more. Actually, to be honest, I actually made less as oh. a salary employee than an hourly employee. I actually took like a probably a thirty percent pay cut. If mm. I'm being completely honest, but I kept my seniority, which allowed me to have a lot more vacation and a whole different level of benefits, health benefits and all that kind of stuff. So that was really the most important part. Okay, okay, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, because at that time I had a young family, you know, had, had just got married and then had just had a young a young baby. So, you know, the benefits was really important. And so that seniority was big for the benefits. Because that was around that was around the time when they was kind of reducing the benefits and cutting the benefits, mm. and so I was able to come in with the old plans, which were way better. Okay. So, so you kind of got grandfathered big. in. I got grandfathered in. Yeah, that's, that's yep. so that, that was that was big. That was big. So earlier you mentioned that you were Eastern and you were dabbling in businesses and stuff like that. So I am curious to know, how did you become interested in entrepreneurship or when did you first become interested in entrepreneurship? So I started, this is this is going to be a funny answer, but I actually started my first real company before I was interested in entrepreneurship. Mm. So, and I know that that probably don't make sense, but I didn't start the company to be an entrepreneur. You know, I don't even know if I knew what that word meant at that time. I started my first company to to really solve a problem that I personally experienced and I knew other kids experienced. So when I talked about earlier, when when kids, a lot of kids don't really understand how to kind of map their path, you know, to, you know, that next step after high school or into college or whatever, that whole situation. Mm-hmm. So... I knew there was a problem, and I started my first company to, to solve that problem. So it really had nothing to do with being an entrepreneur. I was just trying to solve that problem. So that's when I started the software company. And the software company was was meant for high school, middle school and high school kids to basically, it was like an assessment, it was like assessment software. So they would take these assessments and then they figure out kind of what they're good at and what they're kind of inclined to do. And it would give them suggestions of education and career paths to take to mm-hmm. kind of help them map out their future, whether it was in higher education or in trades or in something else. Mm-hmm. It just kind of helped them map out their future. So my company at the time was only the second online software in the education space. And that's what we did. We helped kids figure out their next step on the educational journey. And so I was just trying to solve that problem. It wasn't until 
I got fired from a job like probably 10 years after that that I realized that entrepreneurship was something that I really want to get into and stay. So it took me actually a long time to be interested in entrepreneurship even though I had businesses before that. Okay. That's a weird answer. I hope, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, it does make sense. And, I, and what I wanted to ask you, well, first let me commend you for starting that development company because that is key and critical in learning, helping students to identify the right path for them and helping them to really assess what they're good at and some of the things yeah. they can build on. But I guess the right. follow-up question, when you had this software development company, did you work with like any school districts or was this something that you were like independently doing? Like help me to understand. Yeah, so the software was in every single school in Detroit. We had a contract with DPS and it was in all the middle schools and all the high schools. When we was making our way throughout the state, we had a few schools in Ypsilanti, and we were working our way into Ann Arbor. So to answer your question, yeah, it was in DPS, it was in every high school in DPS, and all the middle schools too. So the company was very successful. The kids loved it, the administration loved it, so it, I think it was a really good product. It was kind of ahead of its time, actually. Okay. When, um, if you don't mind me asking, like, what area of time? Was it like during the 2000s or? Yeah, so this was like 2000, 2003, two, 2003 to 2006. Okay, that's dope. That's dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had all DPS, Ypsilanti, and we were in negotiations to roll out in Ann Arbor. And then the plan was to keep going. Okay, that's dope. I mean, something that's still needed to this day, but that's, that's dope right there. I commend you for that, starting that up. So I do want to talk about your business, Golden Grooming Company. So first question is, what inspired you to create that venture? So obviously, based on our conversation, you can tell I don't have (laughs) no damn background in, in that industry, right? You can just tell, right? You know, so people ask, how'd you get into that, right? But again, like my first business I was trying to solve a problem, right? I was trying to solve a problem. So the problem was that back in the, uh, you know, 2000, you know, 13, 14, 15 timeframe, there just wasn't options for black men and other men of color when it comes to kind of natural, you know, hair and skincare products, right? Mm -hmm. So first of all, it wasn't a lot of options particularly for us just in general. And it definitely wasn't a lot of options for us when it comes to natural stuff. So what made me want to start this company again was to solve a problem, right? I saw an opportunity, I saw a problem, you know, because I personally was looking for this kind of stuff and I couldn't find it. And so I did a little bit of research and the research was saying that, you know, it's a lot of opportunity. The, The research basically confirmed what I was thinking, which was that nobody was really doing it and people want it and need it. And so, again, I was trying to solve a problem. So that's what led me to start this company. And the problem was that it just really wasn't a lot of options for natural hair or skincare stuff for black men. So, I love how inquisitive you are in that you assess the landscape, you assess a problem, and then you then put things out. I mean, of course, with thorough research, obviously, but really the core of you going in the business has always been about solving problems and seeing what's out there. So that's something I can appreciate you doing. Now with the company, what are some of the products that you all offer? And then also what are some of your best sellers as well? Yeah, so we offer, I think we have like 10 products now. We started with three, now we're up to 10. 
So we offer core beer line of products because, of course, beers are still, you know, still in. People yeah. still love beers, men, men, men and women. So we offer a really great beard bomb that helps guys kind of grow a, a big, healthy beard. We have a beard oil. We have a beard wash. And then we have a custom beard brush and beard comb. So that's, that's kind of like our biggest set of biggest selling products is our beard stuff. We also have a body bomb, which is basically like, you know, it's like the best lotion in the world. Mm. I've developed this lotion from scratch because my kids used to always call me about how ashy I was, mm. even though, <laughs> even though, you know, I was using lotion, but the lotion was whack, right? Mm-hmm. It just, you know, just didn't, it just didn't work good. So, you know, again, trying to solve a problem, you know, I made this body bomb, which I'm going to quote a customer, right? You can go to you can go to GoldenGroomingCo.com right now, see this review from a real customer, and he says this body bomb was sent by the gods, right? So, so, so I, I wouldn't use those words, but that's how good it is, right? That's how good it is. So it's like the best lotion that that a black man can use. It's, it's really really good. That's a big seller. And then uh, we also just recently launched, probably about six months ago, a line of face products. So we have a face wash, a face scrub, and a face moisturizer. And then we have a couple other products that we use for grooming. So yeah, so we got a nice line that guys are really, really loving. You know, the reviews are amazing. And, And to be honest, you know, I'm always, I'm still surprised by how good our reviews are because just because you think something is good, you know, as a business owner, doesn't mean everybody else will, right? But then you see other people thinking it's as good as you think, that's always a little bit surprising, but good to see. Yeah, and then one thing that I appreciate what you all are doing, well, a couple of things, but the first thing is that you all pride yourself on natural products. Talk to us more about that. Yeah, man. So, I mean, you can see what's going on these days, right? And so we were a little bit ahead of it in the 2015, 2016 timeframe. I started doing research about this, but so much research is coming out about the negative effects of these products. Johnson & Johnson, you know, these big companies getting sued for ingredients they have in their products and stuff causing cancer and all that stuff is going on. So we, we saw all that stuff. And me personally, for a really, really long time, probably about, you know, it's 2020 now, so probably a good 25, maybe even 30 years, you know, I've been living and eating, you know, pretty clean. So I've always been into kind of being healthy and, and eating right and working out and stuff. So that's just kind of how I was anyway, which is why I was looking for products that had ingredients that I didn't mind using and um, there weren't any. So we started making them, right? And that was the thing. So we, we know some, we know a lot of these ingredients in these products are not good for people. And so we want to make sure that we're making products that are good for people because we want people to take care of themselves and live well and be healthy. We, and we want guys to, to take care of themselves so they can help take care of their families, right? If you can't take care of yourself, right, if you're not in good health, then how much of a benefit can you be to your family, to your friends, to your job, to your business, right? You know, so you got to make sure you're able to bring your best self to whatever situation. And so we help guys do that by providing them products that don't hurt them and are good for their bodies. 
I like, you know, best self, best version of yourself so you can support all the people, whether it be job, family, friends, and then also right. just you applying your own lifestyle to your products. That, that's, I could commend you for that. The other thing that I appreciate, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. The other thing that I appreciate and applaud about your company is that you all are very strong supporters of giving back. Yeah. Talk about some of the initiatives or causes that you all have supported today. Yeah, man. So, um, again, you know, this comes from my personal experience, right? So it's becoming more popular now, you know, in terms of donating to SBCUs. You see, you know, every week you can see an article about it, you know, but when this company was, when the idea of this company was first formed in 2015, nobody was talking about that, right? But it was something that I wanted to do from day one of this business, and, and that's given back to HBCUs because we know historically they've been chronically underfunded, mm-hmm. right? And we and we know that HBCUs, most of them, you know, they really take good care uh, of our kids and they provide good education for our kids. And they do that with less, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just like a lot of black families do, right? They do more with less, right? And the HBCUs do the same thing. They do more with less. And so, you know, our mission is to help them have more, right? So they can continue to do more, but have more resources to do that with. And that's what we want to help with. And uh, again, that comes from personal experience of mine. To be honest, a long time ago, you know, I was kind of ambivalent to HBCUs. Mm -hmm. It, It wasn't until one of my daughters wanted to go to Xavier that I became very appreciative and respectful for what HBCUs bring to our community, right? Because I didn't know. I, w- I was ignorant. I didn't know. So because I didn't know, I was kind of ambivalent. I used to always tell my kids, hey, you need to go to a top-tier school because they got a, the best network and blah, 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 right? And I wouldn't even factor in HBCUs into that picture, you know, because I just didn't know any better. I was ignorant about what they did. But when one of my daughters wanted to go to Xavier University down in Louisiana, so when I was doing research on that school, I realized that this little tiny private school in New Orleans produced, you know, I think the number was like 85% of the black doctors in the whole country. Mm-hmm. In the whole country, from this little tiny private university in the middle of New Orleans, right? And I was like, that that's amazing. That is amazing. And then so I went down there and I visited my daughter and I realized all the great things they were doing with not a whole lot of money, right? They don't have a billion dollar endowment, right? They just don't, right? And so they were doing fantastic work with not a lot of resources. And so that just kind of turned, that completely gave me, I completely did a 180 about HBCUs, right? Because from what I learned about Xavier, I started looking at just HBCUs in general, and start learning what these schools are doing for our children. And they're making tremendous gains and strides with our kids. And they're almost always under-resourced, right? You know, the Howards of the world, you know, they're pretty well funded because, you know, they're Howard, right? But, you know, it's not a lot of Howards, right? So a lot of the other ones, right, are not funded as well, but they're still doing great work. And so we just wanted to help that from day one. For sure. Now, do proceeds from your sales go to supporting HBCUs or how does that work? Yep. So we donate 5% of our sales to HBCUs, right? Mm. So 
not even profit. So five percent of our sales is it comes up from the top. So and that's that's how we try to give back and contribute. I love it, man. Each one, teach one, cooperative economics. I mean, there's so many different principles, so many different things that come from that, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I do want to take it back to Detroit for a second. And we spoke about this offline, but everybody that comes on Detroit Worldwide, I ask them this following question. If they had to identify a song that best represents Detroit and their opinion, what would that song be? So, Mr. Golden, I pose that question to you. Yeah, that's a tough question, man, but I think my answer would be motivation from T.I. So, so I think that was from... uh, I think that was from one of his first, like, kind of big albums. I think it was... Urban uh, Legend. Urban, yeah, 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 yeah. Urban Legend. Urban Legend. So, I took that one, and obviously, this this is an album from the South, and it don't have nothing to do with Detroit, you know, as far as geographically. But I picked that because, to me, Detroit represents hustle, right? Detroit represents kind of being self-motivated and just kind of getting the grind on, no matter what your situation is, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, no matter what your circumstances are, that, you know, you have the hustle and the motivation to rise above it, right? And so, to me, that that's a good song that kind of illustrates the, the attitude and mindset of Detroit. Because, you know, whether you're coming from, you know, Six Mile Davidson area, or you're coming from right on the edge of Gross Point, you know, it, 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 it doesn't matter, right? So, no matter what your circumstances are, you got to have the hustle and motivation to rise above it. So, man, that's one of my favorite, man. For the first time ever, I might have to just drop the bars. You can look at me in my eyes, see I'm ready for whatever. Anything don't kill me, make me better. Man. Exactly. <laughs> right. So you know what I'm talking about. I used to sit in the car, dude. I used to sit in the car and just rock that song. Like, so, and I remember, so this is the time frame where I had just, was just kind of growing my software company, uh-huh. right? And, uh, you know, growing a company from scratch is hard. You know, with, with zero money, it's hard. It's hard work. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. It's really, really hard work just to stay at it. And it's uh-huh. a grind. And so I, I used to sit in my car and just listen to that song three and four times in a row to, like, pump me up. Shout out yep. to T.I. for that CD, man. That got me through some times right there. ASAP. Oh, yeah, man. man. <laughs> yeah, man. And then the producers, the producers on that joint was just crazy. You got Scott Storch on that mug. You got uh-huh. Swiss Beats, the mm-hmm. Neptunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah that, was, that one was crazy. Yeah, man. So you took me back, man. Okay, okay. Yeah. I see you. I see yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So getting back to some of the other things that you got going on, what are you currently working on? How can we as a community best support what you're doing? I'm just trying to grow the brand, man. So I'm just trying to grow the brand from a regional brand to a national brand. I got my eye on, I'm not going to drop the name, mm-hmm. but it's a particular retailer that I want to get into um, that has a nationwide presence. So, you know, the goal for this year is really to continue growing and to become more of a nationally recognizable brand. I mean, we sell across the country and really across the world right now, you know, through our through our website. And so we have thousands and thousands and thousands of customers, you know, but we're not a recognized brand. 
right? You know what I'm saying? So that's a whole different level when you become a recognized brand. And so that's what we're working towards. Hey, man, you definitely have the products to do it. And we'll definitely be talking offline because I see a couple things I want to cop on here, including that grown-ass man box. Some yeah. of the other things you got popping on there. So definitely yeah. doing that and definitely hoping that you continue to prosper, getting it not only nationally, but globally as well. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And I wish you much success in what you're doing and, and podcasting and, and just trying to encourage these positive conversations. So we need as much of this as we can get. So I appreciate it. Yeah, most definitely, bro. Most definitely. Speaking of which, where can people find you on a social media space? That's if you would like to be found on the social media space. I'm assuming you do. Yeah. So for the, the company stuff, uh, you got Golden Grooming Co. Um, is, is our Instagram handle. It's also our Facebook page. So Golden Grooming Co. is our handle for all of our platforms. IG, Facebook, Twitter, you know, all the main ones. And my personal IG handle is Raven CEO. Okay. I can dig that. I can dig that. So we'll definitely make sure we put those in the show notes. And last question as we kind of wrap up, man, and that is simply, what does Detroit mean to you? <sighs> what does Detroit mean to me? So to me, it means, it really means hustle, right? So hustle and tenacity, right? So the, the national reputation of Detroit is like the mean, gritty streets of Detroit. And there's definitely some mean, gritty streets of Detroit. You know, tenacity and hustle is what allows people to rise above their circumstances and their environment. And, and to me, that's what Detroit means to me. And that's what it has taught me. Hey, I don't think I could have said it any better myself. Man, Abdul, thank you so much for coming on here, man. Much success to you. I definitely have to give a shout out to Kim Kimberly Jones from Eastern. Shout out to her. Kim, thank you for facilitating this connection. Much appreciated. This has been fun. This has been fantastic. On a personal note, man, thank you for showcasing your family on social media. I love seeing Black families share their love, and you definitely have a beautiful family, man. So thank you for sharing that on a personal note. Yeah, and, and if I could just say one thing, you know, there is no way I could be where I am right now without the support of my wife and my family. It's just no way I could be where I am right now. So. You know, they mean the world to me and, and they're really my backbone and foundation and my and my fuel to help me keep going. For sure. Yeah, man. Family, family, that's what it is. Well, again, support what Abdul is doing. Golden Grooming Company. Please support that. Please continue to support this podcast. We appreciate you stopping by. Much success. Many blessings to you. It's time to take over, man. It's time to take over the Thank world. You. For sure, for sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So on behalf of Mr. Golden, I am Mr. Taylor. This is Detroit Worldwide, and we holler at y'all on the other side. Peace. Peace.